0: It comes like, like a fleeting memory. memory. Whatever you, memory you grab just turns, just turns to dust, dust. Like eye contact with strangers from the crowded room. It's a dream that you to make me awful. The passing note of the song. The glimpse of the ship being seen. Think you saw it, saw it, you Think you see it, you see it.
1: Okay. Those okay. so kind of sound like muffled or something, don't they? No. Oh, no, sounds good? I think you sound fine. Does my voice be- sound beautiful? Yes. All right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Cheers. Cheers. Let's go to the shores. Shores of ignorance, ma'am. Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. Man. We got a lot of episodes to release to you guys. Well, by the time that people hear this. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> They'll, They'll already don't. be
0: released. We're, we're so on time. No, we've been, uh, we have kind of built up a backlog. We, we're supposed to release episodes every week. We've still been recording them every week, but <laughs> I've gone a couple of weeks without releasing them. No real reason other than just uh, life failure COVID. and laziness. <laughs> no, Not you laziness. can blame
1: everything on COVID. You can no. blame
0: everything on COVID. Yeah. That's <laughs> true. It really is because of COVID. I mean, I haven't gotten COVID, uh-uh. but it has affected me. <laughs> yeah. That's actually what we were going to talk about today. Yeah. Um, you asked me the question, how have I changed since COVID? Yeah. Which I, I thought was a really good question.
1: Yeah, it's pretty, uh, it seems like it's been a pretty intense time for everyone. I, I don't know so. anybody who's not been affected by yeah. COVID in some form or fashion, some more so than others. But right. Yeah. So what do you think? Well, I think the first thing that came to my mind
0: was um, I have become hypervigilant mm-hmm. to the reality around me. Or maybe better said I maybe it's more easily said. Uh, I've actually just started reading the news and looking into the claims made and mm-hmm. the statistics cited, um, and it's changed my understanding of the world and of the things that I sort of thought that I could trust for information mm-hmm. and I, I think i've that's kind of been deeply upsetting to me in a lot of ways um, and I've had to go through some... It's like I feel somehow betrayed a little bit. And so I've, I've had to sort of mourn my way through that. And I do feel a little bit disoriented right now mm-hmm. in terms of how do I move forward? Because it's taking a lot of energy and effort to just sort of parse basic information because I feel like I've got to run everything back down to its source to make sure that I'm not being lied to. And I feel like a lot of the times... I'm being lied to.
1: Can you, can you maybe pinpoint that place where maybe that transition happened for you or I can? Yeah. Um, well, I think it
0: started with COVID because I Mm -hmm. was maybe probably all of us were, especially at the beginning, being really hyper vigilant about like looking at the numbers every day, Mm -hmm. you know? So I found a source of information that seemed credible and then it was like things were going really badly in New York and we're here in Texas and we were having almost no cases at yeah. the time, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm refreshing every day and checking into this, like, cause I think because of mainstream media and social media and being so connected via the internet, we, we sort of have a national emotional response to things mm-hmm. When in reality, what was going on in New York and what was going on in Austin were completely different and really did require different responses. Mm-hmm. So at the time that we were shutting down and locking down, doing mandatory stay at home, the threat wasn't really there yet. Mm-hmm. Not to say we shouldn't have done those things. Yeah. Um, but so I was like really looking into the numbers. And I think at that time, you know, for the first time in my life, I, have, I went to the CDC and started looking to see sort of like what kind of data do they have? Mm-hmm. And downloading it in raw form, um, putting it in spreadsheets, running the numbers myself, just trying to see what are we actually, what's actually going on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think it really got a kick in the ass after George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And when people started saying that, um, you know, we have a problem where police are hunting down black people, mm-hmm. killing them in the streets. <clears throat> and I just thought, Is that true? How would I figure out if that's true? Yeah. And then I started really doing a lot of research and reading. Mm -hmm. And ever since then, that narrative especially has spun a lot of the other narratives, even the COVID narrative, into really misleading, um, misguided places. Yeah. So that's been a big change. Mm Mm-hmm. Maybe not a positive one. Maybe it ends up being a positive one in myself at some point, but right now it feels a little bit poisonous. Mm-hmm. I think we talked about that last week, and it feels um,
1: exhausting. Yeah. Well, part of it is, like, what is it, what is that, what do the statistics even matter, you know? Like, why? why not just listen to our authorities and... Accept it on face value. You know, what has changed there? Because it seems like there's also a question on, there's a question of authority, whether it be a moral authority, you know, uh, this is how you should feel about this, or this is how you should act because of this mm-hmm. data. You know, do you feel like you had a, a, a more of a trust in authority prior to this on a governmental not 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 necessarily presidential, but like yeah. just in general.
0: I don't know. I in a certain way, I kind of feel like this is the first time I've had really any need to consider whether or not I trusted the government.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Just they were, for the most part, not a part of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, other than the you know speeding ticket here or there, mm-hmm. and um, and other than the fact that I went to court for to divorce court, I just didn't interact with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is the first time, at least that for, that really immediately pops into my mind, that the government's telling me something that's super important to my short-term well-being mm-hmm. and telling me what to do about it.
1: Well, I, I mean, I would say your first introduction to that was your divorce because yeah, there's sure. already a preconceived notion of how men are and how they should be dealt with in a divorce situation. Yeah. That's true. I remember you talking about that a lot. So, um, you know, and getting them, we kind of, I don't kind of got research, did some research into that stuff too. You know, but like, yeah, but maybe it is this. Do you feel it more pertinent, pertinent now, or more relevant? This sort of distrust or this. Uh...
0: Well, okay. So here's one thing I, I'm struggling to figure out. Mm-hmm. This year clearly feels really really unique Mm -hmm. in many many ways i mean we've all seen a thousand memes about it and (laughs) this election seems like the most important election in ever Mm -hmm. i don't know it feels that way yeah now is there truth to that is this the way that People feel once they reach a certain age. Oh yeah, you know mm-hmm. what our parents have said something like this about some previous election. Yeah, um, and and I don't know the answer to that.
1: Yeah, like the Bush Gore. You know, I think just coming into more of a political life during that time. You mm-hmm. know, Clinton a little bit, I believe. See, so, yeah, I started voting in '96, so I think it's really till the Bush Gore election. I think I started going king, other than just. Yeah. whatever I was told. <laughs> right. Right. <clears throat> but. So I don't, I don't know. We'll see. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I felt that. I don't feel like I felt that way about the earlier presidents, you know? Yeah. Presidential like elections. But that's a good question. Yeah. I mean, it does. I mean, is it. Cause like, again, you can kind of get into that. The, the moment of, uh, hysteria, you know, that is around any election or, you know, cause there's some right. people that do believe that in every election, you know, Yeah. but it does seem, I think maybe your point is, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's like, this feels like a grander, like this is a larger scale, like people that not would not normally participate are now participating in some form or fashion or maybe just louder because
0: of social media. Yeah, it's hard to tell what where the, where that's coming from. It's certainly louder because of social media, mm-hmm. but I, I mean, I think there's two observations. One, you know, at the DNC, uh, was it Michelle Obama or Kamala Harris who said, um, essentially, that this is a life or death vote. Mm-hmm. Our lives are on the line. Yeah, or maybe it was Billie Eilish. Yeah, Billie Eilish. I, think <laughs> I think she did Billie say Eilish. that. So yeah, she did. <laughs> and, and, and you know. That's not a. So, it's not a surprising thing to hear. Like mm-hmm. I think that's a sentiment that people are really feeling as true. Yeah. Um, that seems unprecedented. Uh, also, response to all of the things that are going on, I think is largely. It seems like we are in some sort of holding pattern until after the election. Yeah. Like even with COVID.
1: Hmm.
0: Um, Why the election matters? I can't quite figure out. I mean, I guess I can if I buy into one particular narrative, but Mm -hmm. that narrative seems pretty far from the truth to me. So, um, so in that way, the election seems more important than others. Yeah, you know, we've got the country largely shut down, and -hmm. we're just waiting for the outcome of this election to do anything about it.
1: Yeah, that's what it seems like. It does, and that seems so like not. seems just really, really false, you know? Um, yeah, but I, but I understand it politically, you know, it's like, like you don't want anything. If you're a Democrat, you don't want anything positive to happen between now and the election, because that will make Trump look good, you know? Mm -hmm. And obviously Trump wants things to look good and, you know, maybe economy bumps up 10% or 20% or unemployment goes down 5% or something like that. Right. So it's like, you can see political play and why that you would, why politically you would want to have movement in these areas, you know? Um, however, it's like, but I feel like most, I about most of us. I don't know. Like, I'm just want to know what's the truth about this. Like what can we do? Where do we go from here? And, and it's like, we have to wait till the next president's elected before we have a clear vision of how we're going to move forward, which as a business, sorry, I can't wait for you. Right. <laughs> I've got, I've got things that, you know, I need to make decisions on now. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I, I just don't like these political games. I don't like, you know, well, it seems like when you frame it that
0: way, it seems really immoral mm-hmm. that a politician would be doing anything it would be adversely affecting us Mm -hmm. in the hopes that they get reelected or Mm -hmm. elected. You you know, it's like you taking the white house or keeping the white house Mm -hmm. is not more important than the fate of the people of this country.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I feel like we just have, we've just lost perspective. I mean, you know, again, you know, Trump was supposed to drain the swamp, you know, and it's like, I don't think anybody's really interested in that. And what does that even mean? You know, it's yeah. like, like we need highly intelligent, compassionate people in positions of power, you mm-hmm. know, that can, that can weigh the consequences and responsibilities that are part of their job outside of, and I think that's why Brett Weinstein talks about a patriot, you know, someone is here to serve the people, not their party, not their, their, special interest mm-hmm. or their own interests. It's like serve you know, this country, serve this country. Yeah. And it's like, not everybody's going to agree with that person, but, right. but it's, it, I would rather follow someone that I know their intentions are for the best for this country, you know? Right. Um, which is hard. I think just, the just so much rhetoric thrown around in all this, but, mm-hmm. but kind of going back to your, the original question is like how that has changed, you know, you know, changed in you and sort of like that, that awareness of truth telling, you know, who mm-hmm. are the, who's responsible for truth telling? Yeah. Who's telling us the stories that were one that we need as a nation to move us forward, you know? And I feel like something in that is our truth tellers, our storytellers, are false you know yeah like it's the wizard of oz behind the curtain like wait what <clears throat> the hell you're this small little dude <laughs> behind this curtain this is not very impressive <laughs> right i don't know it just feels very it feels very disappointing like i felt like no matter if i listened to left or right stuff up to this point um I could kind of be like, okay, they kind of lean this way. Okay, they kind of lean that way. And I can kind of like dial it in, you know? Yeah. But I feel like that has become more drastic over time. Maybe yeah. not so much on the right. The right kind of seems pretty much as it always has been mm-hmm. for the most part. And there's some studies that kind of show that. But uh, I think the left is, is, is leaving a, lot, a large part of their constituency behind. And that's going to really dramatically affect the democratic party, especially in this election. I don't think it'll be interesting how this actually plays out, but, um, I don't feel like they're really paying attention to their constituency, you know, maybe the loyal part. I don't think they
0: have. And I think that's been going on for a long time. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really think that started post, uh, well, post the 2016 election and the result with Hillary. And Mm -hmm. they just kind of began a slow move into the psychosis. Mm hmm. I mean, I remember talking. I mean, we didn't really used to talk politics on this podcast, no. but I, I think we started, like several years ago, we were like, whoa, uh-huh. the, the Democratic Party's kind of losing its mind. Yeah. Like, they, they're they kind of being nonsensical in a lot <laughs> of ways and counterproductive <clears throat> and eating their own.
1: Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and yeah, that, I tell a couple of years, you, you and I personally, just in our own... Didn't really talk about politics. We never talked about politics. No. It's like whatever they just kind of do their thing yeah you know and it's like back and forth
0: back and forth well maybe that's the thing we're describing is that my relationship with politics has always been that like Mm -hmm. they're just doing their thing Mm -hmm. and that's fine with me you know it's not really bothering me yeah but it does seem to have a direct effect on our lives in a way that it didn't used to Mm -hmm. um but i like what you were talking about the future Uh, um you know like you're needing to make decisions now Mm and you can't wait for them I think one of the reasons that I liked your original question of what's changed the most about you since COVID is it reminded me um, something that I've been thinking a lot about, which is that something which is unique about consciousness, I think, and, and humans being conscious is that we are we necessarily see ourselves or perceive who we are not as a singular thing, but as an entity which is laid across time. Mm-hmm. So, who you are is comprised of who you have been your your past, and who you are and what you feel and think now in this present moment, but it's all that's not all of who you are. There's something of who you are which has not yet been manifested. Mm-hmm. Something of who you are which exists in the future it is It's about your potential, mm-hmm. and that's very much a part of who you are. and because we're laid across time like that much of being a human, much of being a conscious being is conceived of as a forward moving process. Mm -hmm. You know, we are moving out of the past through the present and into the future and becoming who we are.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, and because of that, I think part of our sanity and mental stability is directly tied to some idea that who we might be in the future, however well-defined that is, has a plausible chance of manifesting itself into reality, Mm. into some future present real. Yeah. And this is a very abstract way maybe of of sort of saying it's important for us to set goals. It's important for us to envision what we're going to do tomorrow and next week and the month after that um, and to have some construct to sort of psychically hold up a whole half of who we are, which Mm -hmm. is the half that hasn't been um, realized yet. And so thinking about sort of this awakening awakening into hypervigilance and I think ultimately like this pressure that I'm feeling and I suspect a lot of us are feeling, I'm wondering how much of that has to do with the fact that some of the most important things on a lot of people's minds right now, um, you know, to name two would be the coronavirus and the state of race relations in Mm -hmm. the U.S. and really throughout a lot of the Western world. Um, Neither of these things have any defined future. Mm -hmm. You know, there's no, for the coronavirus, there's no, like, metric for... You know, when we get to ease up on this stuff, mm-hmm. like when do we get to reopen our economy? When do you get to have your jobs back? When do we get to stop wearing these damn masks? Mm-hmm. When do my kids get to go to school again? Nobody can say, Yeah. you know, and, and nobody's even saying, well, once we do this, even if it's just once we make a vaccine, it's like, I don't really even hear anyone saying that. So you have this disillusion of the future. Mm mm-hmm. So how can you orient yourself in this naturally forward-moving process when the future, in some weird way, doesn't exactly exist because you can't define it? Mm -hmm. And I think that amounts to an existential crisis that, you know, what do we do about that? Yeah. Aside listening to Viktor Frankl's advice.
1: (laughs) (coughs) Yeah, no, it's... um, Yeah, we don't we don't have that hope of the future of like what we see what we're going to manifest into. Uh that's definitely a difficult. It's a difficult thing to conceive right now. You know, especially I, I mean some of the narratives that we've been nothing but evil. The United States has been nothing but evil from 1619 and mm-hmm. it's everything it's based on is evil. Mm-hmm. You know, even police are evil and they came out of the, uh, was it slave, what are they called? The slave police or something like that. And It's I just say, like uh, there's uh, this whole narrative being spun that all the foundations are rotten to the core. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's like what is that projecting to the future? Mm-hmm. Because in that narrative, all that's all all being spoken is, is like, let's just say that's all true and we tear that all down. What are we going to put in its place? Yeah, And I don't know what the, I don't think very many people have solutions for that. The one that I've heard that, and again, I don't know if this is the most prevalent one, but this, the one I've heard is like a, an equitable, um, society or equal outcome society. And it's like, how do you measure that? You know, what if someone excels more than somebody else and they don't fit in the categories that, are supposed to be, you know, fitting some sort of metrics, you know, matrix of of um uh you know, someone comes up with something and does really well with it. And it's like, but they're not a a minor a minority of some sort or something like that, or a lesser minority or a greater minority, however they want to, you know, do that. It's like, you know, what do you do with that person?
0: Well this we, is the the we, Harrison Bergeron problem. Oh actually what's that? Well, I don't know. Problem. So it's a um, a short story written by Kurt Vonnegut Mm -hmm. um, about a a future in which equality was achieved Mm -hmm. or equity was achieved. It's important to distinguish between those two words. Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Equality being can you equality of opportunity or equality of outcome? And equity meaning the latter. Yeah, Yeah, equality of outcome. I think that's a distinction. There might be, <clears throat> but I, I would say that that's how we can kind of go forward with it. If we're wrong, we can. So equality of outcome or equality of opportunity. Yeah. So he writes about a future in which,
0: um, I'll just read the first part of it. This year, the year was 2081 and everybody was finally equal. They weren't only equal before God and the law. They were equal every which way. Nobody was smarter than anyone else. Nobody was better looking than anyone else. No one was stronger or quicker than anyone else. All this equality was due to the 211th, 212th, and 213th amendments to the Constitution and to the unceasing vigilance of agents of the United States handicapper general. (laughs) So it goes on to tell the story about this husband and wife who have a son. And they describe how everyone has been accordingly handicapped hmm. such that they are all the same. So the, the husband is quite a little, quite a bit smarter than the wife. And so he is constantly has headphones locked onto his ears that can't be removed. And if ever his mind wanders and thinks about some po- alternate possibility for something like very loud and annoying sounds are piped into his ears to get him to derail his train of thought. Mm-hmm. He's also quite a bit bigger than his wife because he's male and so he's has on his body is forced to carry around like uh, 85 pounds of lead weights mm-hmm. to make sure that he's not stronger or mm-hmm. faster.
1: <clears throat>
0: so the idea is that you can achieve equality, but you can only achieve it by handicapping people.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I, I remember you sent that for me to read. Did Heather and Brett read that too or... Um, you I think they talked about it. I they don't talked think they about read it. It. Yeah, it. It's not said, very long. Yeah. When you said we'll put, put it in the show notes cause it's a really great little essay. Uh, or it's part of a book. I don't know. Um, it's just a short story. Short story. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, that, that's the only way either through coercion or through, you know, at point of gun, can you actually achieve right. a quality of outcome? Because you'll either have to handicap somebody or, um, get rid of them because, yeah. and then what, at what, at what level do you, does that, what, at what level is everybody equal? You know, mm-hmm. is it a hundred thousand dollars a year salary? 50,000, 200,000, you know, it's like,
0: well, and, and who decides what, uh-huh. what equity is? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's been another thing that I've, I don't even know if it should, I should segue there, but it's this interesting conversation I had with somebody about, you know, this, this whole problem of misinformation we're having and, mm-hmm. you know, who decides what's misinformation and what's not. Mm. And then, and this maybe feeds into the distrust thing that we were talking about earlier. I don't know who to trust.
1: Yeah. Um, it's hard. Well, it's, it's a good question. I think that's a really good question to, to kind of ponder is like, what, what constitutes fake news or misinformation, right. or even truth, yeah. for that matter? Right. You know, I think that's I think that that's a very difficult. Cause in my mind, I kind of I, I I can make sense of that, you know, but whether I have a grasp on that or not, um, you know, I I think I think my explanation is to be too complex, and I think it's a lot more simple to the than this, but. I just think of statistics, for example, you know, it's like, I can see when somebody's using statistics to promote their point of view, mm-hmm. I trust somebody who can say, here's what I got from this. And here's the problems with how I got there. You know, they can say like, you know, um, like today I was reading, you know, uh, I was looking at the the deaths and the testing on the world, was it the world worldometer? I guess it is. Hmm. But they have this, it's, it's, so you can kind of like classify. It. You can hit the different things. It's actually a lot better than the CDC as far as like pl- you can play with it actually on that. But <laughs> <laughs> now copy and paste into Excel and play yeah. around with it. <laughs> uh, but I was looking at like you know again, it's like uh uh you know deaths per million, you know or or infections by, per million, and it looks a lot different on how you want to classify those things. And so in order to get a, a, a great, a good view of that, you would say, well, Texas looks this way right now. But if you take, if you look at the deaths per million, it's not as bad, but because they have, you know, next to California, the most people in their in their city, in their state, it's going to look, it's going to be a little bit higher. But if you look at deaths per million, <laughs> it's actually a little bit lower. So it's giving you like a fuller picture. Yeah. Like, And saying, even though, or this, and then compares and contrasts, but, you know, but red flags go in my mind whenever, like, you know, uh, media, like more conservative outlets will focus on California and New York, you know, where, you know, uh, more liberal ones will focus on Texas, Florida and Arizona. And, you know, it's like, and so red flags go in my head. I was like, okay, could it, oh, is it only red States that are doing that? Or is it only blue states that are doing that right that's a red flag for me because it's like if that's the case then okay we need to look at that but then when you go look at the data it's just kind of cherry picking or just emphasizing these different things and that's that makes it like i don't feel it doesn't seem it just gives me less confidence in the reporting that i'm getting right
0: i mean there's so many ways that you can mean data doesn't really tell a story. Mm-hmm. You tell the story with data. Exactly. You can and you can use data in a lot of different ways to tell mm-hmm. a lot of different stories. Yeah. I mean, that's another thing I've thought a lot about since since the beginning of COVID is I really wish that I had like a really solid working understanding of statistics. Like mm-hmm. I would love to go audit a statistics course at a university. Yeah. Or maybe just like <clears throat> dive into watching you know, YouTube lectures or something about it, because (laughs) we encounter statistics so often. It's really important to understand what the, the pitfalls of misusing data are so that we can mm -hmm. tell when someone is, because I mean, maybe it's human nature, but anytime somebody tells a story and they, they cite a statistic, all Mm -hmm. they have to do is say statistics show that this and something in our brains go,
1: Oh yes, it must be true. Uh Statistics, Uh you know? Yeah. But that, that's a, that's a trick. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's like I've gotten to where, like, if I'm a, if I'm going to cite statistics, like, I'll save those in my notes. Mm-hmm. So if anybody asks, I can be like, oh, okay, here, I'll send it to you.
0: Yeah, and because, here's where I got
1: the number. Because that drives me so crazy is whenever someone's statistics say, or this right. study shows, I'm like... Well, I want to read the study because I want to need context for why they're saying that or, you know, what, Right. I mean, unless it's like, I think you and I can kind of throw things around a little bit with each other and be a little bit more free, mm-hmm. really. But it's like, um, a little bit more free. Willy. <laughs> I said it, I was like, that was kind of funny. What a movie too. <laughs> totally free. <willy. laughs> um, but again, we're, we're more playing and, and trying to like work through a lot of things. And if something sticks and we usually go find what that was or share with what it was, you know? Yeah. But I'm trying to think how we got off on that. Cause we were kind of, Oh, the distrust and the having to, well, I think like, I was driving towards some,
0: some point about, you know, in the existential crisis of not having a definable future mm-hmm. in some pretty important areas, you know, what are we to do? Um, and I think that, I've spent enough time concentrating on those things where it has started to feel a little bit like I don't have much of a future. Mm. My kids don't have much of a future. And this is a paralyzing prospect. Yeah. So I'm wondering uh, how, well, I think you asked me, like, what are you projecting into your future? And Mm. my, my sort of gut answer was, I don't think I'm projecting anything. Yeah. And maybe that's something I need to really think about and, um, consider how I might change that.
1: Well, I mean, just knowing you too, I, there are things that you do have projected into their future, but they're not, they're not at your forefront, you know, like your, your, your programming thing that you have, you know, um, relationship, you know, your kids, you know, it's like, but there's something about, there's almost like a, a barrier that this is kind of like, right it's like you're throwing your, you're kind of throwing everything over the wall <laughs> and you're like, I mean, I I'm going to come on the other yeah, side. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. When I get on the other side of this, they're going to be over there. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But there's something that's also daunting about that wall, you know, it's like, yeah. Um, Cause I, 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 I sense the same thing as you do. Um, you know, for me, I, I mean, like, I mean, my business is one that's just really like, like it just could go in so many different ways at any time, you know, it's could lose everything or it could be freaking amazing, you know? Um, so it's like, there's a sort of like this, these things that we kind of hold in limbo, you know, but I find that I'm, I'm trying to push everything up to whatever line I am at, you know, it's sort of like, it's like, okay, I'm going to get it up to the line. I can't get it past that. But Mm -hmm. every time that line moves, I'm going to keep pushing, keep pushing, keep pushing. And I'm just waiting for that breakthrough. It could either be into disaster (laughs) or it could be into actual breakthrough, you know? And and I think that's, but there's a vigilance behind that. And as this goes on, I find that I'm more and more tired. Yeah. I'm feeling that too. You know, whether it be homeschooling with my kids, you know, um, you know, even just Alice and I, it's like, we're, we so like, you know, <laughs> she's one of my best friends, you know, my best friends. And like, like, I just, you know, we do so well, just, we could just be together all the time, you know, but, but we do feel constricted too, as far as like, we want to go do things with our kids. We want to go out and you know Mm -hmm. it's like and and be in relationship with other families and you know it's just like and there's just sort of like this barrier there and you kind of want to just push through that (laughs) (laughs) that's it's just really i think it's hard i think everybody's feeling it um but again it's like i It's like, I think, again, I think just moving, keep moving. That's, I think I'm very stubborn in that sense. And I just going to, I've just committed to, I'm just going to keep moving everything up to the line. And we've been talking about this, like outside, we're talking about this. It's like, you know, in wartime, you know, you don't have time to reflect, you know, it's like, you have Mm -hmm. to, you have to be vigilant and it's going to wear you out. And, you know, I think of world war II and the stories I've read or, you know, watching band of brothers, you know, it's like they had these moments of reprieve. Yeah. But they were always pushing to the front, to the front. Right. We're going every
0: day. Where's the line? How do we get there? Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Oh, wait, we're over the line. We're in enemy. Oh my gosh, we got to get out of here. (laughs) You know, it's like we're surrounded, you know, it's like there's a sort of vigilance that's there. And I mean, it's like I don't know how people, we haven't really had that in the US, you know, in a while. I mean, 9 11 kind of gave us a little bit of a. Everyone kind of went, whoa, what, what was that, you know? Mm-hmm. But even the Iraq war was over there, yeah. you know? So, I mean, obviously the recession and stuff, 2008, 2006. But for us in Austin, it was actually, we didn't really feel that as much. Not as like, much, no. Mm-hmm. That's an interesting way to
0: think about things, you know, in, in a situation where the future is very unknown, you know, like where's the line where it starts to be unknown? Mm-hmm. Okay. How many things can I move forward to that? Mm. And then once I get there, you know, is there anything new to be known? Yeah. And can I move, is, is the has the line actually indeed moved further? And mm-hmm. can I move everything up to that line of, of known and unknown?
1: Yeah.
0: And so really... That's a very
1: courageous way of looking at. Well, I find it difficult life. too. Cause like, you know, <clears throat> um, cause like, uh, again, as a business, it's like, I have to get other people to, to, to move up to the line, you know, together and, um, change is really hard for people. Change is really hard for me. You know, it's like, uh, but when you're trying to get a team of people to make incremental changes along the way, I mean, that can wear other people out too, you know, and they have personal things going on in their lives or comforts or whatever it might be, or, uh, dealing with these things in a different way. Right. Um, so I think that's probably one of the more difficult things is to, and and, and again, not being able to meet everybody's needs, you know, I think that's a hard thing. Right. Yeah. That is really hard. Mm-hmm. I've been noticing that with
0: my kids just here Oh, home yeah. alone with not much to do. They can't go see friends, not traveling much and, mm-hmm. um, working from home. And I'm in feeling like I can't, I'm failing to give them something that they need. Mm-hmm. And you know, it's not exactly that it's my failure, but they aren't getting what they need yeah. at this sort of stage of, of development. And I can't seem to give it to them either. You know, I feel handicapped. I feel like I've got my hands tied, yeah that's that's rough,
1: yeah, I wonder if that's <clears throat> too like uh, i don't I don't know on this one this is kind of like a a dive off a of, uh, off the edge real quick, but okay, here we go. I had this thought today, like I thought it I was like, huh, this actually might be good for us because in a in a sense uh, this also can go wrong in many ways, but it's causing people to huddle a little bit more. So like, you know, uh, again, you know, evolutionary speaking, it's like 150 people was sort of like your, like what a tribe could kind of get to before it kind of morphed into Mm -hmm. something else. Yeah. And so it's kind of thing, I was like, I mean, but online and stuff like that, that kind of changes a little bit. But even then I see people within all the restrictions, like they'll kind of, everyone's kind of gathered a smaller group that they kind of like, have more intimate time and experience with, you know, which under under mm-hmm. the skies of, you know, you know, being, you know, safe and not trying to like be around a lot of people and stuff. Everyone's like that. got their quarantine. Right? Yeah. Quarantine. You know? Yeah. <laughs> totally. Like it's totally safe to be around this group of people uh huh, for reasons. <laughs> for reasons. Yeah. Well, it's like, you kind of have this, I mean, whether it's, it's maybe a false, uh, what do you call it? A false perception of safety, you know? Right. Uh, but I mean, cause like we're quarantined, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, so it's like the, you know, it's like, okay, well.
0: You're telling me that my perception of safety that I have for you is false. <laughs>
1: no, I mean, not me. I'm talking about everybody else, you know, but it's like, but I mean, it's like, you kind of have this idea of like, you know, I know most of the people that you're around that, you know, most people I'm around. And so mm-hmm. it's like, okay, I can kind of conceptualize that. Yeah. But if I was going out to clubs every night, or you were going to clubs every night. It would kind mm. of like, be like, okay, you're kind of putting me at a, a bigger risk than I'm kind of willing to take right now, you know, given the information that I have or don't have, right. You know, and, and I have to run a business, you know, like, or whatever, whatever it might be, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's just, I, th- I think that's, there's something maybe kind of interesting and maybe even positive about that, how we've kind of huddled a little bit more instead of having, a larger network of friends, you know, but again, social network or social stuff kind of changes that a little bit. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, for sure.
0: I don't know. I'm struggling with the huddling thing. Like Mm -hmm. there's a price that we're paying for that though. That seems to be bigger than the gain of, Mm -hmm. I guess what you're pitching as, as, um,
1: increased or intensified intimacy. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, I think that the the downside of that too is you do or can kind of become more engrossed in your echo chamber. Yeah. So that's kind of the that's kind of the downfall of that, you know. Um which is also why, you know, tribes and groups survived, is because everyone had a sort of narrative that they carried together and they team up behind that narrative. And they fight the other, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, but over the years and it's like with the United States, the whole idea is that we're going to give up our tribal instincts to a grander narrative, which mm. is a nation indivisible, indivisible, made up of many states. You know, it's like, so we're like, we're trying, we we've we kind of given up a little bit of that tribalism for a grander narrative, which is one nation, you know? And then, uh, Um, because I mean tribalism. I mean that's that that's kind of why (laughs) there were so many wars and uh, (laughs) people had to be like us, like San Marcos invading, you know, Austin or something like that, or vice versa, you know. (laughs) But somehow, (laughs) I'm like. Who would win
0: <laughs> San Marcos versus Austin? My, my initial response just from like the, you know, Austin city pride. I'm like, they wouldn't have a chance. Yeah. San Marcos, please. But then I saw the second, the second thought was like, well, I don't know. We're like a lot of hipsters up here. And
1: <laughs> yeah. San Marcos probably has a lot more guns. <laughs> probably so. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's the truth. Well, I was just thinking sheer numbers, but you know. Take the, the Russian approach, you just kind of throw a bunch of people. <laughs> <laughs> the Russian approach. That's, I mean, that's, that's yeah. a, that was something that just baffled me. It's just, they were just like push people in no guns, no nothing. It was just sort of like, I did you ever watch that. uh oh, there was a one that was about this sniper guy. It was a great, uh, uh nah, it's not gonna, I don't remember the name of it, so it's not gonna matter, but, <laughs> okay. but there, it, it kind of showed that reality of like, they just were throwing people. Hmm. At the Nazis. Just throwing them. Just try to overwhelm them with yeah. bodies. Or just stop them. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, millions and millions and millions of people died that way. It's just... It's going to kill me what that name of that that is. Jude Law. I think he was the main uh, character. It's in not ringing any bells no, for he me. He I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Tribalism. And... uh uh, one nation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's the whole thing. It's like one nation under God. It's like one nation under one principle, like a unifying principle, you yeah. know, it's like whether your God is Allah or natural law or whatever it might be. But it's like the idea is like we're coming together under one principle, you know? Hmm.
0: So here's, here's the wild question in response to that. Do you think we're in a civil war right now? Oh, we kind of talked
1: about this earlier. <clears throat> we're in a civil war of ideas right now. That's what it feels like. And I don't like it.
0: Well, I've heard, and I've heard somebody else say that it's possible that we're in World War Three right now. Mm-hmm. But... The any wars that we fight in the future won't be fought with guns. They'll be fought with information.
1: Mm-hmm. No, I get it. Cause I, am that's the most confusing thing to me. Like, I think there will still be like atrocities and stuff like that. Like, you know, um, or could lead to atrocities that actually have to do with like outward, you know, death and stuff right, like right. that. But I don't know why, it, again, this is one of those things like, I feel people playing games with words and information. And that drives me fucking crazy. Mm -hmm. Like I hate that. Like we can discuss it and like and try to understand what's happening. But if someone starts playing a game with me, it's like it's really obvious to me for the most part. You know, it's like, or at some point I'm like, oh, wait a minute we're not having a conversation. Like you're playing a game with me, you know? Now, if it's a fun thing, like, like, okay, you're taking this stance. I'm going to take this stance and we're going to argue as strongly as we can. Games are
0: great. As long as you've consented to play them. Yeah, (laughs)
1: it's totally true. I feel like I've not consented to play this game that's going on right now. (laughs) You know, it's like, I'm going to redefine terms and make up my own terms, but not tell you that I've done it, not tell you I've done it. And you can't make up your own call your boss if you (laughs) (laughs) piss me off Uh so that's just as frustrating to me yeah
0: well i was just thinking when you said that something about sort of civil war happening right now but with ideas Mm -hmm. and it has And i know we've talked about this before it's felt like We've reached a point where left and right the left and right political game is now not even talking about the same things entirely. Mm-hmm. They're, they're talking about two separate sets of things. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some points of overlap and disagreement um, But for the most part, it's like they speak different languages. Or they're even
1: saying the opposite just because the other side said right. <laughs> like a child.
0: Well and that's that's the corresponding feature though it's like the they've separated so much, and then in, on top of that, there does seem to be a very intense hatred mm-hmm. and this feeling of life and death yeah and the response this sort of like warlike response of we're going to respond to the threat of death mm-hmm. we're going to respond like this is the the threat of
1: death well, it's even like the the, the language around uh was it um uh, LeBron James talks about like you know black people getting just murdered left and right by police and it's like it's like whoa that's strong language like where do you get where do you get that information from yeah i know that this is a really hot topic but that's the first question that goes to my head right if this is true show me Like where, where, because that's an atrocity. I mean, that's horrible if that is true. Mm -hmm. You know, I can't find it. That's the hardest thing for me. That's the frustrating thing. If anybody can show me that, it it can't be a notion or a a, a feeling, because it's like because that's a that's a very very high claim. Mm -hmm. So like a high claim like that. Like if someone said like man, it just, it just feels like we're being, you know, it feels like, right. And not, you know, it's like, so but that's stated as fact. Yeah. It's stated as fact. I mean, cause, cause I know it's when things, when you're looking at the news and you're seeing all this stuff happening, it can feel like this Right? and I can, I and can have a I valid can, feeling. Yeah. Right. It's a valid feeling. I can be sympathetic to that. But when someone starts saying stating things as fact, I'm like, well, how do you know that? Because if that's something that we can know, then let's do something about that. You know? And so that, those are the things I feel like I'm dealing with right now that are really frustrating to me. Well, but this is the problem is that response.
0: That response is a rational and scientific response.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: Well, scientific in the, in the sense that it says, can we know that this is true? Yeah. Can we observe reality and Mm -hmm. say, yes, this is true and And the way that we do that via enlightenment is we employ science this mm-hmm. is this is our method for understanding what is true, yeah, but if we look at it and we say actually it's not true, mm-hmm. but this person still feels the way that they feel, which feelings are valid mm-hmm. then the formulation that the current movement has come up with to explain why this person must feel this way. If rational observation in science says that the conclusion is not true, well, then rational observation in science clearly must be wrong and tools of white supremacy and yeah. oppression. And this yeah. is where the game starts to get
1: maddening. Yes. Yeah, it's like, you can't play You just, you can't play that. That's like, that's a zero sum. No one wins.
0: Well, and this is why I said, you know, I, I included race relations earlier when mm-hmm. I said that there is no, there is no definition of the future. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we're going to play this game, so what, then what does the future look like?
1: Yeah. Well, it's a power in that, in that future, it's a, it's a power struggle. So whoever has the power gets to define what is right and what is wrong and what is true and what is false. Because that's the, that's the only tools you have left. If you don't have, like, uh, you know, the tools that we inherited yeah. from the Enlightenment, mm-hmm. that's all it is, is a power struggle. Truth no
0: longer becomes objective. Mm-hmm. It, it becomes defined by who has the power to define it.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so like even if you could measure something, such as you know, um, how I mean, how many people come into the United States illegal, illegally from another country? It's like mm-hmm. you could measure that and say because it it's just true whether we actually are able to gather all the data or not. You know, I'm just throwing a number. This is not a true number. Let like, you say fifteen thousand people jumped over the Arizona border or walked across the Arizona border last year. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, that could be actually checked because there's a certain amount of people that actually came over, you know? That can be known. (laughs) That can be known. Now we might not have the tools to understand it in its fullest, but we can somehow approach that to some sort of verifiable And accept a certain amount of uncertainty to that. You Mm -hmm. know,
0: we can get it right within an order of magnitude for sure. Like if
1: someone were to like again, going back to the power struggle thing, it's like zero people have gone over that border. You know, well, you'd be able to say like, no. Look, there's one person. So that makes that's clearly not true. Not true. Right. Right. So again, but again, so if it gets to just it's a it is a power struggle, then. Man, that's just that's just where all hell breaks loose. Right. This is where it gets really dangerous. That's where it gets dangerous, yeah.
0: That's when people start dying.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That's when people start committing murder mm-hmm. and eventually genocide.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, we, we've seen that, you know, Russia. We've seen it with China. We've seen it with uh, Germany, mm-hmm. Uganda. I mean, Rwanda. Mm, um, yeah. I mean, just oh, Cambodia. I mean, it's like... So many we times. not learned. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, that's why we use that's why we try to yeah, use not. the best that we can. It's like yeah. it's not perfect and that's the thing. It's like there's a certain acceptance that we might get the data wrong, but this is the best tools we have, you know.
0: Yeah. But
1: Well, that was all really heavy. <laughs> <laughs> totally true. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know. I think we're I'm still excited to move Move past this conversation. I don't know if when this when we'll be able to do this. Well, you said something to me earlier about
0: being on a truth-telling journey, mm-hmm. and I really liked that. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I've, I think we've both struggled a little bit to try to figure out what is our sort of mission statement mm-hmm. for this podcast, and that felt really cl- good, like at least close to mm-hmm. me. We have been on a truth-telling journey in our own lives and relationship to in our relationship together Mm -hmm. with one another. And that's why we started this podcast because Mm -hmm. we wanted to do that. And to some extent we have shied away from talking about the things that have been most prevalent on our minds. Mm -hmm. And I kind of expect that we're not going to be able to move away from this until we partly until we sort of make up for that.
1: Oh, true. Yeah.
0: Um, But also, it's also going to take reality shifting somewhat or letting up somewhat to where some other things can come in, mm-hmm. you know. Or maybe we just like forcibly s- avoid certain parts of reality for some <laughs> period of time, and we can just talk about some random fun subject. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think what we're doing is important mm-hmm. for us, at least. Yeah. So I'm. I'm content because it feels uncomfortable,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is why I, I think you just said, like, hopefully we can talk about something else at some point, And I agree. Yeah. But I think we kind of have to keep finding ourselves back in this conversation until that's
1: somewhat satisfied. Well, again, I think I th- you rightly pointed out this sort of pause that you and I had because so many things got jammed up and we were like, what the hell? Like, how do you even approach that? Right. And so I think what you said also about us kind of making up for time is very valid. I think like having some time to work through and it's like, that's the thing too. Is like, we need to allow people to have their own process. And I feel like right now there's this immediacy of like, you don't have time to think for yourself. This is what you need to think. Hmm. And you and I both don't react well to that. I no. <laughs> like, hold on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> you might be true. You might be saying it was true, but right? We need, I need to kind of like approach this, you know, like. Yeah. And so, so I feel so much more clear on how we're moving forward right now, which is, which is good. And it's not that you and I have it right. It's just that I feel like asking the questions and seeing the problems and. Like, again, it's like, what is the truth telling? You know, it's like pursuing that in the story. Because we, we recognize that we need a, a higher story, a better story than what we're being told right now. Right. And it's like identifying those who are also on that pursuit, I think is also a thing that you and I really um, long for and look for around us.
0: Yeah. And it seems like we've been talking about this, storytelling and narrative versus mm. reality since even before COVID maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's still, we keep finding ourselves back here because it's so, it, it's still so important somehow. Yeah. Um, and it just makes me think, I, I think I need to start thinking about the story I'm telling about my own self individually, Ooh. which is something that, that we have talked about as an importance um, for each and every individual. mm mm-hmm. To see themselves as that transcendent individual mm-hmm. and begin there, and I think to some degree I've gotten lost in the existential crisis of the unknown and have stopped telling myself what is like what is the story of myself and what am mm-hmm. I moving into, and what do I look like yeah. you know, in six months or a year. And I think that's something that can be done even with all these crazy variables.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I don't exactly know how, but I'm going to challenge myself to do it right now and yeah.
1: challenge uh, y'all to do that, too. Next week is September. Oh, wow. Oh, I got your book. Uh, magnificent Obsession. Obsession. That's right. We had talked about starting that. Mm-hmm.
0: We, well, we had said we were starting a book club, but we, we hadn't come back to that. Now we have the books. <laughs> we will post something about it. I uh-huh. know a couple of listeners have told us they've already gotten the books, yeah. too. So Which is awesome. We owe like, it whoa, to you're actually
1: listening and to yeah, do that? <laughs>
0: right. We owe it to you to kick that off. So why don't we say, well, we've got a few episodes to release. So we're, we're going to release a bunch of. a... Uh, at once but should we say that next week we'll kick that off
1: yeah start that we'll figure out how we're gonna if we're gonna just take a month to read the whole thing and then maybe do a zoom call with people whoever wants to Mm -hmm. zoom in
0: we'll figure it out maybe we'll do a mini episode just Mm -hmm. dedicated to the shores of ignorance book club
1: yeah that'd be cool
0: yeah awesome cool thanks for listening everybody
1: yeah thanks for your patience too and any new listeners out there too um go back and listen to some episodes. This is, uh, Matt and I are on a journey. We're thinking through things, trying to work through stuff. And yeah, we're, we're open to, to anything you have to any comments or anything like that. So yeah.
0: Please. Uh, Instagram is a place to find us, go send us a message, DMs. give us a like, follow us. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also, uh, SoundCloud is the source for all of our podcasts. Mm-hmm. um, if you want to go there, you can leave comments, and even at specific like points in time in the episode. Um, so that's kind of a good way to interact. Oh, cool. And please, if you listen on Apple Podcast, give it a rating. Hmm. And if you listen on Spotify, throw us a follow, share out the episodes yeah.
1: with your friends. That actually is really helpful. That's really cool, yeah. And we do have some YouTubes, but I'm kind of behind on that too. We'll have more. <laughs> the tubes. The tubes. <laughs> All right. Well, we love you guys. Thanks, Thank everybody. You. All right. Bye. Ciao. Wow, held up really well. You heard it? like, you No, heard I mean, I, I, I heard, but it's like.